The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Fellow fiends, welcome to another terrifying and delectable episode of Nightmare on Film Street. The horror podcast with zero credibility, but all of the blood, ghouls, and gore. Your puny heart can handle. <laughs> Let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And this week we are discussing Legends of Horror. That not, is legendary yeah, figures yeah, in horror movies. Yeah, not necessarily legendary directors or any well-known people. <laughs> you know, this sounds like a real bad start because Wishmaster, full of legendary figures in horror. Oh, that's so true. Speaking of which, uh, we will be talking about 1997's Wishmaster and 1993's Leprechaun. Both involve legendary figures, the Jin and the Leprechaun, <laughs> mythical creatures. I don't think they're creatures; they're mythical. Well, I guess they are creatures. Neither mythical of them are monsters in horror. Before we get started, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, it has been two weeks since we've talked to you guys. So, what's in... keeping you creepy this fortnight? <laughs> yeah, so it's been two weeks since we've talked to you guys. In between that time, we caught Escape Room, which is in theaters now did upload a Patreon-exclusive episode where we did a full review on that. So if you want to hear that, that's at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. But uh, what did you think about Escape Room, John? Escape Room? Uh, it's pretty good. Had some fun rooms. Uh, you know, come come, come for the escape. Stay for Tyler Labine. Forget about the ending. Yeah, the ending was not the best, um, but definitely set themselves up nice and tidy for a sequel which will definitely be probably in the works very soon. I would think so. This seems like a franchise in the making. Mm-hmm. And so it should be, though, because the, the escape room model sets up for some really unique and fun movies in the same way that I would say Final Destination yeah. is really well set up for sequels because it's very compartmentalized and you have kind of a it factor for what people are looking for um, with 
Final Destination, which why I brought it up is because, oh, I was gonna say I was like, yo, yeah. what do you think about that new Final Destination? Uh, we're getting a reboot, but with that, it, you're just looking for fun, unique kills, that really fun premonition at the beginning, and that's really all you need to do. You don't need to serve up a whole bunch of character development, a whole whack of um, plot other than just people running away from death. And in the escape room, it's just interesting rooms, interesting traps, and seeing some characters fall victim to those traps. Yeah. So, in a potential sequel, you don't even need to explain that it's an escape room. You just need to have four people, five people in a room, and then, oh my god, door's locked. We're in the movie now. Yeah, so I will definitely be keeping my ears down for a sequel. Um, this movie was it was okay, but the escape rooms were really neat and they were very ornate. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because they've already done some really cool uh, inside, outside, upside down, yeah, uh, oven room. There's... I'm waiting for like the super crazy Channel Zero No End House type segment of that franchise where it just gets real friggin' weird. Like this is the room that has a ghost in it and you're like, fuck. <laughs> real quick, before we move on though, what's like your dream opening for a new final destination movie while you think about that because i'm i'm just blindsiding you with that question me uh it's set 80 years in the future and uh space tourism is a big thing now so everybody's it's like exactly like the first movie except an airplane going to france we are on a spaceship going to the moon and we blow up on the fucking landing pad (laughs) we hurl ourselves across the horizon it's like uh, it's like gravity, but it's a horror movie, and we snap back, and he's like, "We gotta get out of the space pod!" Like, I'm, I'm so ready for like a Final Destination in space type movie. It's It'd be so, so good. It's so funny you say that because I tweeted about this a few months ago. My ideal Final Destination sequel is like Pilgrim Village, like 1602. Church burns down, oh, and like, like all the villagers oh. are like on fire. Yeah, and there's a premonition, and then it's like the person with the premonition is also trying to survive the the villagers thinking they're a witch. Oh, this is so <laughs> like, good. <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, or my second pick is a wedding. Because Final Destination has a whole bunch of people who don't necessarily belong together. They're not friends. You have a variety of ages and incomes and stuff. And what perfect place than a wedding? You've got Mm. like Aunt Millie. You have a bridesmaid. You have a cousin who's like 12. Let me flip that on you right here. Destination wedding on the moon. (laughs) I need... I need that I need that franchise to go into space, Kim. Mm. <laughs> final destination, the final frontier. Or it's like perfect. final destination causing the witch trials. Yeah. Yeah. First destination. Initial destination. Is that your moon titles you're working on over there? No, I'm working yeah, I'm working on potential titles for yours. Oh, I thought that was yours, like first destination, moon. <laughs> no, yours, because we're going back to where it all began. And of course, before we move on, I want to give a big shout out to our most recent patron supporters, Sarah, William, Chloe, and Todd. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, And just keep in mind, guys, uh, I've hired you to do one job, and that's paint my house. Two very weird, dumb colors. And (laughs) I don't want you hitting on my teenage daughter, brushing off all of the dust in my basement. It's all perfectly placed. I want it right there. You touch that four-leaf clover that I got on top of that box, and I'm going to have words with you. You just keep your nose down, uh, paint my house like it's a a bunch of Lego blocks, and call it a day. Get out of there. Leave the shoes alone. I don't care if you... No, where am I going with this? (laughs) Don't follow any rainbows. Just paint the damn house. I'm sorry to be so strict, but I've had a lot of bad 
luck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. If you want to support the show, head to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. We also have a Patreon live stream scheduled for January 26th. That is a Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Uh, that's Eastern Standard Time. We said it a little bit earlier this time, so those of you across the pond in uh, the UK and wherever you're from can uh, get a chance to listen and tune in this time. We're going to talk Glass, the movie, which comes out this weekend, mm-hmm. and play some trivia. Excited to see Glass. Mm. Okay, but I mean, as somebody who just rewatched Unbreakable, you excited to see Glass? That sounds like somebody who also just saw Split again. Okay. Yeah, oh, Unbreakable is really good. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody can anybody can argue with that. Unbreakable is fucking good, and rewatching it, it's still fucking good. Split is okay. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and Glass feels like none of those. So it it will be interesting to see what it is. Yeah. It's. I feel like M Night Shyamalan's conned me into seeing a superhero film, and oh, I'm really, 100%. I'm really not okay with that. Oh yeah. Unbreakable is as superhero as I get because it's dark and it's like brooding. Split is a little less dark and it's a little less brooding, and it's just like, mm, but you, this is sort of a horror film if you squint. And and glass, glass is, is not. It's gonna have two hundred percent more flipped cars. One hundred percent. So we'll see. That's enough superhero talk. Let's talk about magical figures. Uh, Legendary. Legendary figures. First up, Wishmaster from 1997. Watch that crate! That's very expensive! For centuries, he has remained hidden. Watching. Waiting. And now... He is coming. He knows your secret hopes. He sees your private dreams. And he can grant your every desire. Well, I'm not a (laughs) greedy man. How about a million dollars? Even if it kills you. As you wish. Beg for your life. Help me! Pray for your soul. But whatever you do... Ready to play? Don't make a wish. (laughs) Wish master. Careful what you wish for. So, Wishmaster from 1997. Directed by Robert Kurtzman, Wishmaster is currently sitting at a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. 23% 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Woo! Yeah, and and uh, a strong 2.8 out of 5 on Letterboxd. That's actually pretty high for Letterboxd. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's out of <laughs> that's 5. That's above average. That's double the percentage you're getting on Rotten Tomatoes. Sorry, I just noticed a new freckle. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Update, everybody. Freckle Watch 2019. I got a new one. Yeah. <laughs> Starting the year off strong. <laughs> It's a good New Year's resolution, though. I gotta give you credit. More freckles. No, I don't want any more freckles. Okay, well, maybe if you squeeze real hard, you can get some of them to disappear. Or give myself an aneurysm. One of the two. At the very least, your problems are over. So, Wishmaster. Uh, I don't think I'd seen this movie before. Which surprises the hell out of me. Yeah. This is your movie. I, I... It would have been. Yeah, I think it was just too far off my radar and too far into horror for my parents to have allowed me to watch it. I wasn't allowed to watch this when it came out. This is another one of those ones where my dad told me the entire plot because you can't see it. Too scary. (laughs) Let me tell you everything. 
I might have rented it at the cottage, but that was so long ago that I had no memory of it. It feels familiar, but mainly mainly because it it feels like a um, Tales from the Crypt episode really or does. a Tales from the Crypt movie. So watching it, like I was really unfamiliar with it, but I had this weird like deja vu, like I should know what this is and I know what this is, but I don't know what this is. <laughs> and horror cameos out the wazoo in Holy, this movie, right? Yeah, so many people in this and in fun, tiny um, security guard, bouncer, uh, except for Robert England, who's like, I'm the art dealer. And we're like, of course you are, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> He's in he's in a pretty good chunk of this movie. I mean, His if you're assistant not a, is Ted Raimi. <laughs> if you're not a professor, you're either Freddy Krueger or an art dealer. <laughs> and sometimes, if possible, an evil one of all of those. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's evil in this. He could he could have been evil had he been given enough time. <laughs> he, he definitely looks like he wants to be. He cares about his collection more than he cares about people. But I and mean, throwing a really great party. Yeah, oh, the best parties. Exactly. So, yeah, let's maybe run through the plot of this. Uh, <laughs> it, so it opens really cool. It's probably my one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. It's got this, like, really Arabian Nights vibe. Mm. We're in, like, a Persian uh, Persian bathhouse, if you want to call it that. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think it's just kind of the king's palace. Or a brothel. No, it's definitely, like, a den of inequity. I mean, hey, if you're the king and or you lord like over his, everybody. Or, his wife is, like, at her mother-in-law's so that the palace has become <laughs> the den of inequity. Um, and the Persian Super Emperor. Super Bowl weekend or... in Persia. <laughs> Who got the nacho dip? Nacho dip is made of slaves. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's got the gin at that point, and... Obviously, he's wishing, wishing willy nilly, and um, all of his like hand crew are being turned into crazy ass shit. And the yeah. and it is like on fast forward with the special effects. I wish that scene was longer, almost, but it's kind of weird because we've already seen the title card, so you're expecting that to be a title card. It's scene. a weird placement, yeah, yeah, because we're already getting into the movie like we've seen the title we've gotten a whole bunch of mythology via wall of text yeah well, and so, narrated by angus scrim so we're ready to start and here we are in persia and we're just doing this whole mythology thing uh where the jinn gets tapped chap trapped in the ruby or the emerald or ruby or amber yeah, ruby. whatever it is it's a big red gem yeah via like his right hand man like i guess that's his sorcerer or... i think that's his sorcerer yeah but his whole crew gets just obliterated in like fantastical, practical special effects ways. Uh, my absolute favorite is the goopy, gory skeleton that's running around for like oh, yeah. two and a half minutes. Yeah. I wish the gin had like an MO and that's... Oh, okay. And those creatures that we saw in the beginning were the exact same creatures from the party. Even though we'll talk about the party later because the party later does have some really great practical effects. Yeah. But I loved the like the mythological nature of what everybody turns into way back when yeah because one guy like turns into a snake um we've got another person who is just like sort of sucked into a wall and stuff oh, that like, that is wonderful there. and you only see that wall for a split second it's like let me see it more that weird woman who's like turning into a tree thing i oh, loved it yeah and and then flash forward we're in the future <laughs> yeah and that's when we meet 
Robert England, who is this art dealer who's importing a very important statue with his assistant Ted Raimi, who unfortunately gets squashed by said statue oh, yeah. because the crane operator is drinking on the job, which unfortunately I didn't pay attention to the first time. And John was like, Tim, this is really important. You got to see that he's drinking on the job. And yeah. I was like, okay, he's drinking on the job. And it's such a tiny detail that I was like, I, I really don't want to call this out, but. He totally did. He, well, I had to. Ruined the movie. Yeah. Thing. You're like, oh, well, it's, it's like when you watch a TV show and they go, previous on all the important bits and you're like oh well i you know how like in oh, game of thrones that. like hey, oh this is from four seasons ago, ago. Yeah, yeah you're just like well i know exactly how this show's playing out mm-hmm. if there's one thing we could petition for in the new year guys it's no. intermissions and in movies right? and i want to <laughs> tack on to that bill <laughs> just say right? a no more previously ons if you like you know what make them available and if you need them, you can click here to watch it. I don't want a click here to skip this. I want to click here for recap. I want to. I want. I want us to opt into that recap on demand. But by 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 default, we are opted out. I I don't think there's previously ons on Netflix. There are not on every show, and I find they only do it when you've like left for a day or a month and come back to to the season again. But back on intermissions. Yeah. So why I think they are important is as cinemas expand to being date night event warehouses sure they are beginning to offer more foods and beverages on their menus including in-house dining and drinking if you're drinking alcohol you want an intermission okay for peeing sure and not missing the movie i guess as somebody who misses the movie a lot i would like an intermission (laughs) all right i mean like there's definitely a case for them but and that's the same reason why i don't drink in the theater because it's like well i'm definitely gonna miss some of this film <laughs> gotta get that run p app yeah but then you're looking on your phone and you're being a double asshole so it's just like squeaky shoes is about to get up and she was on her phone first <laughs> well i think the idea there is that you look beforehand and you're like okay and you plan it out <laughs> yeah because they're very vague about all right it. so i'm gonna drink all the soda in the first third of the film so that by the <laughs> second third of the film well they say two things like when this character goes into this room with this painting you're good to go and then while you go you click a button and you get to read what you're missing or if your theater is nice and it's like a small repertory theater, like I hear the new Bev is um, in L.A., you, they have the audio for the movie piped into the, the that's bathrooms. That's so smart. Yeah. That's it's harder so to smart. do in a Megaplex, though, right? Like, unless you had a bathroom that's literally attached to your movie they theater. They did that once at, uh, where, it was somewhere in Niagara on the Lake, and we went to see Sweeney Todd, and I had to excuse myself. <laughs> well, yeah, like, at the Shaw Theater, it's one theater. They had screens in there, and you could watch pretty cool the, like the play while you're washing your hands it's not bad yeah it was pretty cool and then i had to wait for like a break in the action so they would let me back in and i was like oh <laughs> my god <laughs> but i could watch it on the screen which i guess is okay so where are we in this film squashed uh, yeah squashed <laughs> so uh you, after being squashed of course the gem pops out some guy takes it pawns it and it makes its way from person to person until the genie Jin is uh summoned again and you know sure it's like you're your basic Aladdin story. You get three wishes, but the twist here is that not only do you get three wishes, it's that whoever summons the djinn after that third wish gives the djinn enough power to open the portal between, like, the hell and earth. And, and let, like, a bunch of baddies out. Yeah, the bad guys win. Yeah, that, that's what it is. So yep. whoever summons the djinn cannot have a third wish. But Unless he gives t- them a free wish. Well, it's, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, you want a free one? You want to taste test this? That's like the scene in um, Bedazzled where... Where he gets a burger? Where he gets... Didn't even get any fries. <laughs> yeah. 
But that's not a free wish because he, he thinks that's it's not a free, free wish, wish at all. and then it counts towards his wishes. And that's... Which I think is BS. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So Alex, who's the appraiser. Oh, we're not going to refer to her as Alexandra. Alexandra. Have you ever is... met anybody named Alexandra? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, is the one that wakes up the gin because she's putting it through her lasers or looking through her I think it's because she rubs glass. it. I, think, I don't know if it's necessarily because she breathes on it, but she does breathe on it. Oh, because she the rubs music it swells like a, a bit. lamp. Yeah. Yeah. I love how we can completely twist and be very creative with all of the aspects of uh, of the, the cultural genie story that we have in North America, but rubbing it, that's, we keep that. That's how you get it out of the <laughs> classic, box. Classic, classic genie. And they even say, look, no, it's not like that Robin Williams or whatever. And I, it blew my mind that this movie came out after Aladdin. Oh. I, my mind was blown. The whole film, I was like, I can't believe that Robin Williams' genie exists when this movie came out. Don't you know? Well, I guess the... the Cartoons are forever. They, they're not dated like live action booms. Well, the only problem with the with Aladdin is that it is a little dated because because it's Robin Williams, he's got all these pop cultural references. No, I guess that's true. Yeah. You show that to a kid now, I bet they don't even... They'd be like, what? I don't, I don't think we got it either. Like, yeah, Johnny Carson. Like, as a six-year-old, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to know any of that shit. Yeah. My biggest problem with this film is the gin is too evil. Okay. There's no stakes because of how good he is at convincing people to wish things. Mm -hmm. Every single person he interacts with is dead in dead or has sold their soul to him in 20 seconds or less. And he's super efficient and that's great or whatever, but those the stakes in those scenes are so low for me because I've caught on pretty quickly by the time um, the phantasm guy has cancer <laughs> that uh, that he's getting whatever he wants. And and he, honestly, the way he gets people to wish is such a cop out. Okay. He literally is like, so you wish it, right? And they're like, yeah, I wish it. And yeah. he's like, ha ha. And then he runs away. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in this movie, it's not even, you can't, it's not even, you don't have to say the word wish. No, you're just like, sure. And then no, he's like, ha ha. Or you're a mannequin like, now. I, I'd love to see this. I'd I'd I wish I could. I hope to have that. Wouldn't this? Or be I great? sure would like for something. And he's like, yeah. Meh. So so any any want or desire, right? I'm fine with that. That's not wishing two, though. Two and things I think about... there needs to be a consent. Those people need to know that they're wishing from a genie. So two things here. Uh, one, they are, they are bound by their word. He's bound by theirs. Uh, he and he, you know he can't help but make wishes i mean like there's uh, something built in there but but two things that i think really address your point one this is a special effects driven movie it is all about just that is true moment to moment what are we gonna do and the, the craziest thing and i mean uh i mean it's directed by robert kurtzman who is a special effects guy the weakest points of this movie is anything regarding cgi because it's it's a practical effects spectacle mm -hmm. uh, but secondly there is this really great moment which sums up everything where uh, Alex goes to talk. When she goes to talk to the professor of all of these cultural myths and legends. I love her, by the way. She's great in this she's movie. She's so sassy in yeah. like, a really fun way. But when she's later, when she's actually already become the djinn and he's impersonating her, he's like her to like level 12. Yes. But he's still trying to be her, but he's also djinning it up. Like Yeah, her performance there is great. Yeah, he is nasty. Like he's playing a nasty lady. Absolutely. <laughs> and she does a great job with it. And that's the scene I'm talking about because he's explaining to her and he's really boasting, hey, you know, if this 
Jin character came to your world, ruled by reason, uh, that is essentially scientifically driven. He would be unmatched and all-powerful. And not only that, no one would ever believe that what he could do is possible. So they could all be tricked. Like, oh yeah, sure, wishes come true. Yeah, whatever, I wish my entire family was dead. And then boom, they're dead. Nobody is prepared for it whatsoever. So they all fall for it because nobody believes it's real. And to them, it's just words and words don't mean anything. But words are everything for him. That's a really great point. I think that works for the character they've created. Yeah. And it works for the universe but that they talk- have But you're talking about like movie making. I'm talking you know, like- on like a level of, yeah. <laughs> believability. I do not believe this gin exists. There are may- there's maybe a world in which there's a gin that I would believe in and he wouldn't be that powerful. Um I guess I guess it's because the the rules seem a little arbitrary cuz he's just like I got to get power first and then I got to convince that girl that woke me up to make her wishes. Yeah. So you're like I guess the problem is that uh he's not powerful enough to get her to do her three wishes yet, but he is powerful enough to do whatever the fuck else he wants to anybody. Exactly. Like he's You he's want him to fall walking, on his feet a few times. He's just yeah, face. walking and snapping down bodies immediately. Like I'm not seeing him build in strength, at least in terms of him matching the willpower of other humans. He defeats every single other person but her. Well from the uh, beginning. I, I guess he's not powerful enough to collect their souls immediately, maybe. I do love that he needs to he needs to call in all the souls that are owed to him See, in order to take fair. See, I don't like that rule either. He should have to wait for them to die. I think once he's powerful enough, like uh, otherwise he would have had to wait. But he's gained enough power that he can do that. It is interesting. It seems like he has to call those souls in to, to... gain enough power to take another form. But he didn't need to do. Isn't that he does that right before he becomes Wendy, right? I don't know because he becomes the dream boat before he t- claims their souls because that's how he <laughs> the turns the boat. the mannequin girl. Which I have to say though, when he calls the souls, her as the mannequin in the back room, where her eyes, where her just eyes roll, roll the back. back of her head. I loved that. Yeah. Okay, so that's my new favorite. Is, so they that, did that moment, the no, but that moment's my favorite, and then the opening Arabian Nights thing. What is my favorite part of this? Oh, movie? those eyes rolling. I back. know. Oh, so good. I know exactly what my favorite part of this movie was, uh, and you know what. It creeped the shit out of me as a kid. I actually remember being scared by this moment. And it's such a... I thought you didn't see it. Well, when I first saw it. Okay. I, I was too young You're when like it a, came I was out. so creeped out when my dad told me about this moment. To be honest, I think I ended up seeing this like a week later. After <laughs> my dad told me everything. Because uh, it came out when I was nine. So I if, if I had seen this when I was 13, I don't think it would have affected me very much. But somewhere around 10 or 11 or whatever, when Jack the Ripper came out of that painting oh, and yeah, killed you the were guy, that- I completely forgot about it. It's just his eyes. and He's, he's- a pretty silly Jack Ripper. He is. A- I know. That's why watching it now, it kind of made me laugh that I was scared by him. But, but I yeah, guess he's he a painting version. So he's not actually the Jack. He's not actually Jack the Ripper. He's an interpretation an artist had of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, it's it's a render. Which is what all of the art that comes to life is. Okay, that's a good point. That's a very <laughs> good Unless it's a statue itself. But I mean, really, all art is a mirrored image of a thought of a thing, right? Isn't that what makes art interesting? Except for the sister, because the sister gets thrown into that painting, and it's actually the sister in the painting. And then he lights the painting on fire, or he lights... Inside the painting on fire. Yeah. He turns the painting to a, a painting on fire. I don't really love that scene. I like that he does that because she's, oh, she's so tortured over the 
over the death of her family. But I just but. love so final showdown when they're they're all at Robert England's house. He's having a big party. Uh, they have a really fun scene where Robert England wishes for the best party ever, and so the gin just like goes crazy and kills a bunch of people with piano wires. <laughs> <laughs> that piano wider death is great. It is pretty great, uh, and that's probably the best CGI use of the film. Is There's, that CGI? The piano wires moving around is CGI. Yeah. Uh, hmm. The the Kane Hodder explosion CGI. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, not great. I got to assume that they tried to do something else in that scene first, mm. like. And just didn't work out yeah because like you know if you want to get through here you gotta go through me yeah surely that could have been a really cool practical effect ripping through his body yeah. kind of yeah, thing yeah right exactly yeah yeah maybe it just didn't work out that's what right. i'm thinking the yeah. dummy or something and they're like it's fine we'll just do something in post <laughs> like turn him into glass <laughs> shards of glass yeah and then instead of like opening a door like literally walking through him he like morphs through the glass like where there was a door he now makes it a <laughs> solid sheet of glass <laughs> And then we, and then he explodes afterwards. Into a desktop wallpaper. Uh, Tony Todd is also a gatekeeper. He is the security gatekeeper. at the party, and he is great in that. He gets a really long. He uh, has an emotional arc, actually. Yeah, yeah, with the gin, and then he eventually gets like in Houdini's water trick. Yeah, because he 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 preys on his on his desire. for for something bigger to escape this fucking life that he has. And he's like, here's the opportunity to escape. Houdini did it in like under two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was great. More than anybody else that would fucking... Actually, you know what? No, I'm gonna keep coming back to that mannequin. That mannequin's the worst one because there's no way she's not fully conscious inside that mannequin, right? Well, she definitely is because when he calls her, her soul is in there. Yeah. So she's in there. I'm trying to think if there's any other cool deaths in that party sequence. Oh, there's a ton of great deaths. Uh, there is the skeleton that jumps out of the guy's body. Um, there is the weird, like, ectoplasmy creature that comes out of Robert Englund's mouth. I don't even know what that was. Yeah, I don't know either. No idea. And filming that must have been hilarious, because we've got this this goopy, writhing thing on the floor. We just need you to put its tail in your mouth, Robert. <laughs> uh, we just need you to, hey, Bob, you want to do me a favor? Put this tail in your mouth and just, like, act really surprised by it. <laughs> and that's, action, got it. Oh, perfect. That's going in the can. What is this crudité? <laughs> Uh, this is not the tavern ad I ordered. <laughs> but throughout the movie, so this Alex and the Jin are like psychically linked. So every time he claims a soul or kills a person via their own wish, she gets like a moment. Yeah, like a dead zone flash. <laughs> Most often when she's around police officers when her friends are dead. So oh, man. Why aren't they taking her in for questioning is just my first thought. Yeah, maybe. Like, because like her friend is, is dead. The gem guy at the yeah. beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's all like emotionally like, and he's like, do you know her? And he's like, yeah, he's working on a job for me. And then she has her like big psychic moment. She runs off and the head cop is like, no, let her go. Let her go. <laughs> like, yeah. no, you need to question this mentally unstable woman yeah also, she came to a crime scene yeah and we all know the criminal will return to the crime scene they didn't even ask her when she dropped the gem off like get some alibis anything really i love how they just talk to her in front of the dead body too like she, she <laughs> like bumps her way into a crime scene like You've no no it's fine is he your friend did he look like this when you last saw him i mean maybe that's just like the cold nature of a police officer i, I remember a friend of mine who's like uncle was a cop and we asked him about that like hey so like you you see like dead bodies because we're kids like that's it's something you're just like morbidly fascinated with and he's right, like, like what did you see more more in the job did you see more donuts or more dead bodies 
Yeah, well, the thing what is, is he more of? he's just like, <laughs> what do you see more of? Uh, he's uh, like, and I'm sure this is a common story with every police officer. Is that, yeah, yeah, you just get desensitized to it. It's just like inventory at work. You don't even really think about it. He went to go see some guy who jumped out of a building. And instead of thinking like, wow, this is sad, he was like, man, my Egg McMuffin's getting cold. Like, he's just so cold to the world, Aww. right? I think we get like that, though, with all of our violent yeah. content. Yeah, but not with real people. Yeah, I guess that's true. Let's move on. Yeah. But yeah, so Alex, this entire Who time... Who we haven't talked about at all. Yeah, because, well, she smokes a lot, like... Um, a lot, a lot. Yeah, we could have paired this literally with Candyman because of the amount of smoking in this film. Oh, yeah. So her whole thing is she's psychically linked to the gin, so she's basically trying to find out as much about him as she can. Um, so she's as equally matched... I guess, for their final showdown. Mm. So she spends the whole movie researching him, which is fine and dandy, but then she goes to this final party where she knows she's going to meet the djinn because she only has one wish left. Her sister's there. The djinn knows that's her weakness. She knows that's her weakness and that he's going to exploit it. Yeah. So she goes to meet him and she has no fucking plan. None. Literally the final moment when she does her thing to... It only just occurs to her that. Yeah. And her sister is literally on fire beside her and is like, <laughs> bitch, why didn't you allot some time to formulate a plan first? Even on the drive over, you could have thought about your plan. No, instead you're too busy going like, mm, I wonder how I'm going to get the girls to win the next basketball game. <laughs> Why does she teach basketball? I think we're just supposed to see that she's like a caring person who gives back to the community. It, it's honestly because her life is so small, this poor character. Unfortunately, yeah. She's, but I mean, they, I guess they kind of fixed it at the end because she has that little romantic moment where she's kind of like happy and aware of her situation, I guess, and how mm. much worse things could have been. Um, so it makes her a little bolder, but she's a praiser or like a gemologist. I'm not sure her official title. That's the word they use in the movie. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying. And it's then she right. teaches. I guess it's community basketball because yeah, she can't be a, t- a teacher. I don't think they allow high but school then, teachers to just coach basketball and, and then nothing go else. Home. Yeah. yeah, but she also consults with that other teacher. So you assume she's part of faculty. Wait, you mean? Wendy? Mm-hmm. Well, she seeks her out because Robert Englund's character recommends her. Oh. Like, oh, go talk to this woman. They could have just made her a teacher, but I guess then why would she have the gemstone? Yeah, that's really it. She's just got to get the stone and pass it. She could uh, she could be the person in the department of a university who studies ancient gems? Yeah. Is that a department? I guess it's just kind of sad. She lives with her sister, and then when but she's... that's because she's got to protect her sister. Yeah, but... So when she's obsessed about the gin, and she's chain-smoking in her kitchen and reading, her sister's like, hey, I left early to give you the car. And then she was like, what for? And, she... <laughs> <laughs> and it's so she could go to basketball to teach those kids, and in that scene, you're just like, oh, I bet you there's, like, a, an empty package of cookie dough, like in the garbage can under Maybe. the sink or like she ate a whole case of pringles or Ugh. you know something sad like that <laughs> well i think the smoking is is the, the the externalization of guilt right like she her entire family died in a fire she only had an opportunity to save her sister not her parents so she constantly takes on that weight that she feels responsible for their death and i think smoking and breathing fire <laughs> is is her Literal representation. Yeah, and just saying, like, I'm responsible Her for Her micro-suicides. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> just bringing herself down. Um, it's fun how much smoking is a story device in films in the 90s, because nowadays people don't really smoke in film because it's not something that we do as much socially. Yeah. So if like a character... Constantine might have been the first one in a long time. But if a, yeah, if a character is smoking in a movie pa- past, like, 1992, it is an intentional decision 
and it relates to that character's anxieties or depression or negative view towards life. Yeah. So what does she wish? What is her big wish? Her big wish is that, so in the beginning of the movie, they talk about how when she's doing the research for the incident, they they focus more on the the guy drinking on the job who was responsible for the death than the actual statue. I need to know more about what this statue is and where it's from and what it does. And so that's them laying the groundwork for her having all of this backstory on what happened during that event so she could say i wish michael tierney wasn't drinking on the job on thursday because this movie takes place over like two and a half days <laughs> and the gin's like Mah-ha-ha. and then he realizes what he's done which undoes everything because if that guy's not drinking on the job that statue doesn't get dropped the stone doesn't break out. That guy doesn't steal it. She doesn't find it. She doesn't rub it. Robert Englund has one of the greatest showcases of it, his art house. I and, don't even know And the does. gin is still trapped inside. Yeah. Bored as fuck. For eternity. Fuck. In, a, in a room of dead forgotten gods. Yeah. Um... It's okay. That's good. I liked it. Yeah. It's a nice little tie-up at the end. I remember liking this lucky. a lot when uh, I was a kid. I feel like with how powerful the djinn was, he could have figured out a way around that little wish. Well, see, that that's his weakness, though. He can't help but... But I think his ego had him grant wish. it before he realized what he was granting. That's like, what I think, I'm saying. That's I think I'm saying. he just, like, jumped the gun on that one and granted it, and then he was yeah. like, fuck. I think he does that with all of them. It's it's his hubris as a djinn. Because he's gaining power with every wish that he grants. Mm-hmm. So he's only thinking about the power that he's going to get from that. Plus, he's also so focused on, well, third wish. This is it. I get to fucking rule the world. Finally. I do want to talk about, though, before we move on. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the practical design of the djinn when he's not that dreamboat? Ah, he mm, looks like, uh, kind of looks like Freddy with horns. Yeah. I thought degree. he looked he kind of like, like um, Jeepers Creepers with horns. Yeah. Of course, this is like I know, ten uh, years before Jeepers Power Ranger Creepers. villain. Okay. That's what I was feeling. Yeah. Yeah, like he was like evil. I think he looks all right. Versus robots. I really like <laughs> him as Nathaniel Demarest, like in his human form. He looks so fucking sinister as a yeah. per- as a person. He was mean too. Yeah. Like good mean, but still mean. And another thing I really liked was I liked the design of his like layer thing. I thought that was really cool. Oh, like the Hellraiser room, basically. Yeah, the like, tunnels were fun, and the Cerberus-y dogs that he had. Yeah. It was fun. It was big. He had quite the the lush... Yeah, uh, when you think about a jeep, you don't think about them having a condo inside that lamp. This is one Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, I've been trapped forever. Like, I, I get it. Being trapped and not being able to, like, do your evil bidding, that's gotta suck. But it's like somebody saying, we're gonna put you in prison, but... In a weird turn of events, prison is Disney World, so fucking enjoy your... <laughs> I mean, you're going to be bored, but it's pretty lush in here. And yeah. his chair looked over pretty comfy. I mean, and he had friends in there, I think. Oh, so quick question, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, if you were sentenced to 20 years in prison, but prison was Disney World, what is the... And you could only stay on one ride. What's the Haunted one? Mansion. What's the one ride you wish you weren't trapped on? Oh, Small World. You would take the Small World over the Hall of Presidents? Oh, God. Is that a ride? That's not a ride. That's a... F- Okay, well, I mean, like, like any building, any attraction room thing you can sit in. Small world. Small world would drive you crazy. I don't want to be on a tiny, like, stinky boat for the rest oh, of my yeah, life. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that true. boat moves so slow. So slow. Or like the Dumbo ride where you're just like... <laughs> you're just going up and down. Although at least you're outside. with Like, it's a small world. It's like fucking dark in there. Which is like Haunted Mansion. It's fine. Fits the theme. Yeah, now that you say it, I don't know. You can sleep in your little doom buggy. I don't know if there's anybody that wouldn't pick It's a Small World. Hall of Presidents is a little boring, but it's like, meh. Okay, so what's your rating of Wishmaster? Um, 
it's nineties cheesy, but it's it's my my brand of nineties cheesy. Uh, I, I I give Wishmaster a two out of four, but it's a, it's a strong two out of four. Um, I like it, but it's it's not a great movie. I am also gonna go two out of four, but it's like a low two out of four. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, you didn't like that, Jack the Ripper. I didn't love. You know, I like this movie because it's got that Tales from the Crypt vibe, and it's, it feels very nineties. This would have been a really cool standalone Tales from the Crypt movie. Yeah. I gotta I gotta give you credit for that. That was a great that was a great pull. Yeah, but um. I just I just felt like he was too powerful and you're right it was in service of getting as as many practical special effects moments in there which they do which they did and they are all really great and fun but yeah she just she just doesn't feel like a strong enough character to beat him and then she does and you're like oh we knew it yeah she's a pretty weak character yeah if she was I don't know if she was stronger or she had more to do because it's not her fault as an actress like she's doing a perfectly fine yeah no she's great and it's just like her... But their back and forth is very nothing. Mm-hmm. Not, it's, it's a little bit made for TV. Yeah, because like, <laughs> you're right. Like the conversation between them where there's a bit of a power exchange when he's Wendy is great. If we had that much like a, I am going to kill you if you don't make wishes, but you better start making some wishes and she doesn't want to make wishes. Like that. that's a cool little area, but that's five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. But moving on, we are going to talk about Leprechaun from 1993. The luck of the Irish is being packed and shipped to a little town in South Dakota whose luck may have just run out. from 1993 directed by mark jones leprechaun is currently sitting at a 4.7 out of 10 on imdb 23 percent on rotten tomatoes similar to wishmaster and also a 2.3 out of 5 on letterboxd wow people on letterboxd like wishmaster more than they like leprechaun i thought this film had like a a better haze around it like the time was kind to leprechaun i i would say that i assume more people like leprechaun you know maybe it's that more people have watched leprechaun and continue to watch leprechaun which whether or not they like it has a more fluctuating score on something like letterboxd that's that is true because it's definitely a a holiday movie whether or not it intended to be i think a lot of people watch this uh in april um around yule that's a really good point saint patrick's day yeah Yeah. they've cornered the market on saint patrick's day horror Mm mm-hmm 
I will admit, I've never really liked this movie. I also don't think I've ever really liked this movie. I really tried to give it a shot in this watch. Like, I was like, okay, I'm dropping all my feelings about... But I do like the Leprechaun. I like the franchise as a concept. I love that he's gone to the hood. I love that he has gone to space. I mean, like, I appreciate that people have done those things. And I love the zaniness of it. And I do really appreciate that the leprechaun was silly and campy and kind of cheesy from the get-go. That I really appreciate. Uh, A lot of other horror franchises have kind of grown into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is one of them. It started out... Not not to its fault or anything. Mm-hmm. I love the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I love how scary it is. Freddy is... He was always kind of a trickster, but he was a gross and gory trickster. And he yeah. became more silly and fun as the franchise went on. I would say Jason... Oh, definitely. ...changed and evolved. I mean, Jason wasn't even on the top billing of the first film. So, But I love that Warwick Davis got to be and embody that leprechaun character so early on in the movie. Yeah. Or early it, on in the franchise. And it makes sense. Uh for that villain too. How how are you gonna really make a lepre a mischievous little leprechaun well, without whole, it being the premise is a little silly yeah. like how scary is a villain that's only two, three feet tall going to be? Yeah. And especially like his his kills have to be over the top because he's so small. Yeah. I feel like I don't have anything to add here. It's just like parts like that that's also kind of just like what I don't love about the movie. I maybe it's that um I, I have an easier time with movies that are very, um, I don't want to say sincere, because I think this movie is from the get-go. It's it's really doing what it wants to do initially. I think I like it when a franchise starts out very serious and and then grows to something comical, like Evil Dead, I guess, or Fred, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Something about this being a comedy from the get-go is maybe what I don't, love about it it might even just be that he's a silly villain like oh we he's gotta find the people that took his gold you have to admit though that the plot of this movie isn't great and the story isn't well done sure uh but had it have been executed well introducing us to a feisty leprechaun killer from the get-go who's witty and has zingers and one-liners what was the right choice agreed and they did a great job with that. Like if their mission statement, their goals, they achieved them. They checked those boxes. They everything that they intended to do, they did, and it's it's all there on the screen. So it, I, personal preference then is what it comes down to, because I think everything that they were trying to accomplish, they accomplished. Yeah, and another big problem I have is that I grew up with Willow, so I grew up with uh, Warwick Davis as my hero, Yeah, uh, and I really loved him for saving the day, sure. and in this, he sounds very much like himself, like he's he's doing his voice just a little bit Irishy. so, like, that's a little traumatizing to me, <laughs> it's it's it kind of crushes my soul a little bit. He's That's great, so though. He's amazing. He's great, yeah. And, but yeah, I'm just like, Willow. So Mr. O'Grady locks the leprechaun in a crate in his basement after having a heart attack uh, while trying to hide the evidence of his of his deceased wife and this leprechaun who's trying to murder him for stealing his gold. Now, follow me here. Does Mr. O'Grady 
go to Ireland? Because his mom has died. Okay. And he's bringing her ashes back to be scattered on the Got family it. farm. But instead of bringing back her ashes, he steals a leprechaun's gold and smuggles the gold in the urn. Oh, so he doesn't actually bring the ashes back whatsoever. No! He could do both. He could, <laughs> he put could the, have done He could have put the gold in the urn, ashes on top. Hidden everything. Nope. Especially from... If there's anything that, that Mr. O'Grady is, it's greedy. <laughs> that is very true. And drunk. A <laughs> oh. whole bottle of Jameson to himself from the air... I assume from the airport to his house. <laughs> like, he finishes that bottle off in the front yard. There's no way they let him drink an open bottle on the airplane. But, I don't know. Air Ireland. Different rules. <laughs> Could be. So, flash forward. How many years? 10 years? 20 years? I don't even know. Flash, flash forward to the sometime I think early nineties. Ten years, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what her dad's name is. Tori and Dad have, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Does he have a it's name? It's like J.P. Morgan or something, or J.B. Mor- it's it's like right. um, a two letter type of name. Got it. He goes by his initials. I can't remember what they are, and I didn't write them down. Uh, <laughs> Jeep Dad. So he buys this dusty old farmhouse and is like, "We're gonna live here." We're gonna we're gonna paint it like it's a toy playhouse, and then he exits the movie. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, he gets bitten and he's gone. Like he's only around to drive Jennifer Aniston to the set and to <laughs> instruct them to to paint the goofiest colors on their house, like primary blue house and then bright red shutters. Yeah, no primer. No, they, and nobody has power washed the house. No, we're not gonna sand it. We're not gonna coat it, prime <laughs> it, nothing. We're and in fact. Painting? That's the first thing we're exactly. doing. Exactly. You know what? We're going to live here. But and the whole movie, John, this bugged me the entire movie. And I know you know this because you watched me sit through it. Yeah. And like with my me wringing my hands. Nobody dusts. There are <laughs> cobwebs, like webby ass, gross, hanging, dangling, corner crammed in, just everywhere. I want to say pounds of cobwebs, but there's probably a pound of cobwebs of them all. But that's a lot of cobwebs. That's a lot of cobwebs. Everywhere, throughout the entire house. And nobody dusts. And they are staying there. Mm -hmm. But no, we're going to paint the exterior. Somebody needs to wash the floor, do some dusting, and get some ice for the freezer. I mean, clearly this was a time before HGTV. Uh, the DIY network, they haven't watched the homeowners uh, specials, whatever they're called, the love it or list it. Uh, <laughs> but no wonder why Jennifer Aniston is threatening to go to a hotel the whole movie, literally the whole movie. Well, there's a tarantula in the basement. <laughs> An evil leprechaun and nobody has dusted. Yeah. <laughs> the entire film, the whole movie, they are sta- they are sitting on couches and there's cobwebs. I can't handle it. I can't, I cannot deal with it. I know that it it made for a spooky set and like especially when that leprechaun is rolling around those halls on the skateboard and the <laughs> spooky cobwebs are everywhere but like fucking dust you wieners and they like they're paying paint crew who who are there the whole time like two or three days overnights as well because you know they're part of the family now yeah they really are as soon as they show up it, it's it's cousin Ozzy and uncle Nathan <laughs> little baby Alex why didn't they hire a maid crew atmosphere mm. but yeah I, I i would assume that you would the painting would be the absolute the last, last thing, thing you did the exterior also i mean uh what why are we harping on this we're just like we're just your your choices in decor are terrible like I, po- I would change that siding that looks just like raw wood siding come on but this is the first film in the franchise they could have gone with anything for their plot and they're like okay so who who are our main characters for this movie gonna be You're like okay how about um, an eight-year-old kid 
because you need like a kid hero, you know, gremlin who knows more about taxes and insurance yeah. than his adult companion. Yeah, and then you need like one of those like simple, smart, small town guys who's kind of goofy and stupid for people to like, you know, laugh at and joke with and empathize with. So you need him, and then you need a dreamboat. And if we're gonna have a dreamboat, then we also have a girl that's gonna, you know, be in love with him, and that's gonna be what makes her stay there because it's small town. She's from L.A. and she wants that California life. So it's like, why? Is it a paint crew that are the main characters of this movie? And what are they called? Three guys that paint? Three guys that paint. One of them is eight. (laughs) One of them is eight years old. They're future-proofing with that name because eventually they will be three guys. Right now they are two men and a baby. (laughs) Literally. Did they plan on being an overnight paint crew the whole time or they decided to stay with Tori because her dad gets bitten by a, a cat? Precon, and yeah, yep. they're like, oh, we can't leave her alone here in this dust wagon. I think that's exactly what it is. But can we? Can they're we... strangers. Well, yeah, I know they're strangers, but let's let's maybe Dad knows them. May let's just focus on the cat, the kitty Precon, kitty Leprechaun, <laughs> cat for, Precon. for a second here because that whole sequence, how it unfolds, fucking crazy. It's so weird. So it is a weird scene. So Dreamboat leaves Tori at the truck. She's in the back of the truck. She's like rifling through for primer or whatever. The guys are at the house. They are painting. She's alone at the truck. And then underneath the truck, little leprechaun caressing her leg. Broad, fucking cloudy, blue sky daylight. And she's just like, oh, Nathan. One foot off the ground. It's not as though. Did he crouch down behind her and go, I'm going to touch your ankles. It's not even that. He crouches down behind her, reaches in front of her, and caresses from the front. Because he's caressing the front of her leg. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Nathan, don't do that. What are you? Silly. Not here, Nathan. (laughs) It's so sunny out. But then when Nathan's like, what? What's going on? (laughs) She gets weirded out. Yeah. And then the leprechaun scratches. Her, she Which screams, should have infected her. She should have became a leprechaun. Oh, that would have been so fucking right? great. Curse of the leprechaun. That oh. could have been the end of the movie. Like leprechaun is like werewolfism. I like it. And then yeah. you're, and then like her transformation is just her getting greedier and greedier. Oh, right throughout mm-hmm. the movie, and you're like, why are you being such a bitch, Tori? <laughs> but by the end, after like leprechaun has melted and fallen into the well, she's like, now where's me go? Oh, like so that would have been great. So Credits, good. and then just like <laughs> eyes piercing through blackness, and then maybe like a Jennifer Aniston cackly leprechaun laugh. <laughs> like, oh man, can't wait for that sequel. It's gonna be lit. But so after she gets scratched, she falls down. She's screaming. Dad runs from the from nowhere. Dad was not in the scene. Yeah. He comes from from I don't know the break table. My daddy senses were tingling. And, Is everything okay? Well, and she's just talking about how some like something somebody scratched her, and she's like, and he was caressing my leg. Like, oh, well, it's maybe a cat. She's like, I know the difference between a cat and a man caressing my leg. That's what? In front of your dad. One, also, like, cats don't caress legs. Can we stop saying caress? <laughs> yeah, we couldn't come up with something else. Just pull a fucking thesaurus out. Touching touch, my leg. Yes. Touch. Touch grazing oh, my leg. So dad's like, like the oh, you know what? I hear a cat. It's over in this tree trunk. And there's what? literally a leprechaun in a log going like, it was just a cat. Where Mount Gold? <laughs> and so he sticks Mount his whole Gold. arm into the tree trunk. He's like, "Come here, cat!" Up like, the you know what a uh, like a rabid cat is gonna do, whether or not they're actually a leprechaun? They're gonna bite your fucking hand. And they're also gonna hide. Like any animal that's hiding is ready to bite. Yeah, but you don't corner any animal. That's what I'm getting at. What if it was a like a possum or a raccoon who was like rabies? 
Anything. Rabies, duh. Yeah. You just stick your whole goddamn No wonder that you got bit. Yeah, of course. This is on you, Dad. So then in like a weird turn of events, we leave the farmhouse. We're all rushing to the emergency room because Dad's been bitten pretty bad. And... And the doctor's like, I don't know. We're probably going to have to keep him here until well after the end credits. You guys better go on and have your own adventure yeah, <laughs> by <and> yourselves. Then, <laughs> so from that point on, Jennifer Anderson's like, I guess I'm going to hang out with the paint crew. Yeah. And so they're at a diner and there's like some character development where we learn Jennifer Aniston may be a vegetarian, but not a very good one. Yeah. Um, and then the Aussie and the kid. Alex. Are, they take one of the gold coins. They f- oh my God, we, oh, forgot, yeah, we forgot that about they that. found the gold They coins. literally go like, hey, let's follow that fucking rainbow. Oh man. And they find the end of the rainbow. They find some gold. Oh, it's worth it. Uh, Ozzy accidentally eats one because he's biting it to see if it's real gold. So he's got a cold Yeah, how does that happen? I'm going to bite it to see if it's real. Oh, I swallowed it. Like, oh, That's the only reason his character's so dumb. It's yeah. for that moment. Because no, how would that ever happen? Uh, if if maybe he got scared and we like, oh, like accidentally <laughs> swallowed it. Sure, maybe. Maybe. Because it's a cartoon world. But we didn't mention, so the leprechaun has followed them on a tricycle that he found in the garage. That garage. (laughs) That leprechaun, even though he's been trapped in a crate for like 15 years or whatever, has definitely been stashing miniature transportation systems in that shed this entire time. Because he goes into that shed. That shed is like a a cavern of toys for this leprechaun. At one point, he comes out in a car that's... It's like souped up. Yeah, he's got like a Mad Max style armored car. It's he's, pretty great. He finds a car at the pawn shop. He's got the pogo stick. He rides skateboard. He rides rollerblades. Like every option, this leprechaun's got it. I also like that the leprechaun knows how silly everything is. Because just him riding on the tricycle, he's aware it's silly. Even he's giggling to himself like, oh, <laughs> this is fucking hilarious. And he just, yeah, he takes off. He follows him into town. Uh, and unfortunately, they leave one of them coins with the pawn shop owner who does not deserve to be killed. Don't you think, though, it would have been better if the leprechaun, like, Cape Fear style, attached himself to, to the, the bottom, bottom of the, of the truck? Oh, yes. God, that'd be great. Right? Because he's got, he's full of belt buckles. He is. He's a walking buckle. Yeah. <laughs> also, do you think in Cape Fear that he had to string together more than one belt to tie himself under the carriage of the car? I don't know. I guess you could just get like a big fat guy belt, right? And then that. How are you good? Maybe he holds. How does that work? There's no way that it's a, that's even possible. That's fine, though. It's a movie. Okay. And not the movie we're talking about right now. No, not at all. <laughs> Infinitely more terrifying. But yeah, the leprechaun really gives nobody an opportunity to give him the gold back. He is very much kill first gold questions later. Because he's feisty and he's happy to be free. I understand him. Because he just likes killing. Yeah, he's feisty. So, (laughs) I don't know if this is 100% the legend of the leprechaun, like the mythology of it. Was he just some greedy guy who sold his soul for gold? Because he he mentions that in the movie. um, No, I think they're actually just mythical creatures. They're like a gnome or a... Yeah, um, but what's their origin? Like an imp or a wasn't just like God created the heavens and the leprechauns. Like, like, they had to have come from somewhere. I think they just live in the woods like fairies. Right. And they have gold and they're very greedy. And you can trick them and take their gold, but they don't like it. Yeah, I, I know they don't like it and I get that. I guess I, I just liked that in this movie they actually gave me a reason for it. Like, why he needs that gold so bad. Because he's traded his soul for it. It's why he's eternal, I guess, right? Like, he, he'll live forever, but... He'll always be fighting to keep this gold. It's I like that idea. I think that's that's interesting. My favorite thing though about the lore is the shoe 
Um, oh, <laughs> the shoe thing. I think that's such a fun little like that. He's he's a cobbler and he's pos- like a possessed cobbler. Oh, you just mean the, the, the idea that he's a cobbler by trade. Well, yeah, but in the, that that part where they're trying to get away the second time, uh, and they throw shoes. Where at him. they're throwing shoes, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's got to polish all the shoes. But he's almost not even mad. He's not even like, oh, you oh, yeah, fuckers. So he he's enjoys like, Ooh, it. a shoe, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a cat with a laser pointer. You okay. know what I mean? Like, sure. he's just like, what if Ooh. they told Warwick Davis, like, okay, in this scene, you're a cat, and we've been throwing toys at you. Like, what if that was just his entire motivation? Well, yeah, because when you when you use a laser pointer with a cat, the cat knows that you're doing it because if you stop, the cat will look at you and be like, make with the lasers. You son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, but like during the cat's like, oh yeah, I guess who's a hunter now? <laughs> yeah, like they can't, they can't avoid it. They, can, yeah. they, they, would, they would love to be doing anything else, and they know it's just a weakness of theirs. <laughs> Yeah, like even if you put it on the ceiling, they're not they can't reach it, but they are fucking gonna watch where that laser goes. Oh, they're staring at man, I miss we gotta get a laser pointer for the And dog. a cat. Oh. Oh. What? What else happens in Leprechaun? Well he kills the guy with the pogo, which is pretty cool at the pawn shop. Um, yeah, except the cuts aren't great. Like no, the you cuts don't aren't ever great. see him jumping on the pogo, and I get that's hard, like Yeah. I think he they, they pad that guy out, right? Like I was talking about this while we were watching. Yeah, it. I, I think, think they definitely tried to and it didn't work out. So there's just cuts of the pogo smushing some guy and then uh Warwick Davis being like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Warwick Davis is really giving his all in this movie, I gotta say. Oh, totally. Yeah. That cop that pulls him over too, uh, is really giving him a hard time. Especially given that the cop thinks he's a kid. And he's like, All right, you little fucker, get pull over, get out of the goddamn car. And you're like, You this guy thinks he's talking to a child. <laughs> Isn't it a little like, like, even in this universe, little people definitely exist. Yeah. So maybe this is a guy coming from like, you know, like a birthday party or a play. Like, treat him like an adult human being, maybe. Yeah. He has a beard. (laughs) (laughs) That scene where they're trying to look for four leaf clovers toward the end of the movie is really bizarre because there's just like a green floodlight on the entire area it's like halfway through the movie they decided like oh we can use themed lighting and yeah. do some interesting things because so after a few escapades at the house where they can't beat the leprechaun on their own and the leprechaun possesses the phone for a minute which is kind of interesting <laughs> he puts his hand through the phone because i guess he's got a crush on jennifer aniston but so she escapes that's when they're throwing the the shoes, the shoes yeah uh, she escapes because she's gonna go see mr o'grady who's now had a stroke and is uh in a mental Mm-hmm. facility so she's going to see if he has any secrets on how to defeat the leprechaun but from that moment on the film changes in style the camera angles down the halls are all interesting we get like these They're weird warped tilts and, and stuff, weird yeah. and the light and maybe that's supposed to be scary because she's really worried that the leprechaun has followed her so down every like corner she turns he could be there Mm because there's a few moments where there's shadows that maybe a leprechaun and then it's not it's just a broom closet (laughs) but it's it's warped and nightmare in a way that the rest of the movie isn't themed because the rest of the movie is like bright daylight with painters painting the house yeah but once it's it's like once darkness descends on the set like all bets are off yeah and then we're like we're gonna use some green floodlights we're gonna get crazy (laughs) there's like a really cool shot where she's stepping off the truck and we just like continue to tilt with her and just like we stay on like a 35 degree angle for a while yeah and this this movie's really into her sneakers <laughs> yeah yeah like she's wearing these sneakers with these like puffy pink socks and we see them a lot in the movie <laughs> maybe it's because the leprechaun's so obsessed with shoes that oh we and he's get... so short that might be why okay perspective we're seeing if also if he loves he were shoes. standing there that's what i'm saying yeah and yeah if he were standing there this is the view we would have from his like three foot eyesight mm-hmm. eyeline yeah so the leprechaun's got a foot fetish then so he doesn't like I'm Jennifer Aniston, he far. likes her feet. <laughs> he likes 
shining shoes. If he had a foot fetish, she'd be smelling them or caressing them. Mm. <laughs> We're on to something. I here. think the only thing I've discovered in this entire episode is that I don't like the word caress. No. It's not a nice word. No. It's gross. It's like a dry version of the word moist. Do you, are you one of those people that hates the word moist? No. Okay. I was just hamming it up. Got it. My favorite word? Favorite. Favorite word is nebula. Yeah. I like that word. I've heard you say that before. Mm-hmm. I All have right. another favorite word, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite word? No, but that is fucking hilarious. I have another favorite word, but I've forgotten it. <laughs> My favorite word. I, I don't really have a favorite word. I like... For some reason, I like undulation. Um, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't. I think I just like uvula. I don't I like, like that. It but I like nebula. That is so a lot of really far removed from what I said. But I see what you're saying. Um, but you have to undulate to say uvula. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I know. I, I like it in like a um, in like a descriptor that doesn't quite make sense. Like if you are going crazy and you think everything's connected or. There's some sort of weird metaphysical twist on reality, how it's like an undulation. I didn't of ask what things. your favorite definition was. Okay. <laughs> I just said, like, what words do you like to say or the sound of? Yeah, I think right now my favorite word might be rude. Uh, but oh. other than. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Still a definition. <laughs> <laughs> You're a monster. Uh, uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't really have favorite words. I oh. Yeah. I like using really contrived words. Like, I make a purpose whenever I'm writing things to use words that are, like, out of fashion. Sure. Like, I use amongst instead of among. Uh, and yeah, I, I like amongst. Yeah, and I use swell a lot. And fancy. You like old-timey, turn-of-the-century slang. I sure do. Like, britches. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and, uh, like, unnecessary alliteration. Yeah. If I can make you rhyme in your head, I'm fucking doing it. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you don't have a favorite word. No, don't really, uh... I'm not a favorites guy. That's why I always hate doing lists. <laughs> anyway, um, not going to bring up that old problem again. Leprechaun is a good word. Leprechaun's a good word. Uh, it reminds me of Warwick Davis and the weird finale of this movie. <laughs> uh, and, you know, thankfully, and I will, I, I will say this is super great. Ozzy doesn't die in this movie. I really like that Ozzy doesn't die. Yeah. That would bum me out so much. Yeah, you're right. And it's a great setup, too, because he's accidentally swallowed a coin leprechaun's gonna need that coin back he's gonna claw his way through his stomach to get to it like we could just as easily have a scene where the the leprechaun is playing in his intestines right oh that well see that would have been good but uh <laughs> well, it, well yeah it would have been but not if it wasn't Aussie. i know not yeah i know Aussie. i know i know what i do have to give this movie credit for is that despite how obvious it was that ozzy swallowed that coin i forgot mm. when the leprechaun is all excited because uh jennifer aniston has given him his gold back yeah He's like all like cutesy counting and he's like, one, two, three. And I was so happy for him because I was like, oh, look at him. He's got his gold. I didn't realize there was still 15, 20 minutes left in the movie or whatever. I forgot Ozzy had eaten the coin. So like, congratulations, veil over my eyes. I totally forgot. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, there's a (gasps) coin. Not Ozzy. It's a (laughs) good move. Which I think is what you're supposed to feel. (laughs) I do remember being very surprised by that when I first saw this as a kid and uh, it really got me. And yeah, it still works. It's still very good. I'm glad you forgot. That's awesome. Yeah, and I was actually kind of sad for the leprechaun in that moment. I was so happy when he got his gold. (laughs) He was so cute about it. He was sitting down. He's like, okay, we're going to count the gold. Here we go. What? (laughs) It was was a really sweet scene. 
So how would you rate this movie? Um, It's actually a really bad movie. <laughs> it is a very bad movie. I, and the crazy thing too, though, no, despite how bad it is, you can really see that Jennifer Aniston is a legit actress in this. Like, she's actually not bad in this movie. For, for an early role, obviously. But I'm saying, like, there is, there is a very good actress inside that person that you're seeing on screen. Uh, okay, so I will say she's very compelling to watch. I see... St- Star power in her, or whatever well, what that, I mean, yeah. whatever that je ne sais quoi is. When you see somebody who became famous She's before they were famous, factor. yeah, like I'm, I want to watch her. Yeah. And, like, I'm not a huge Jennifer Aniston fan. Anyway. I don't like the character that she's playing. No. And I don't think it's well played, unfortunately. No, no, no. But she, she delivers what she's given well. Yeah, but I'm, de- I'm definitely watching her in it. Hmm. So, like, she. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I think the character is awful. Yeah. No, totally. Like, <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Um, but she sells it. See, My- I disagree. I don't think she's she does a good job in this movie. Okay, well, but I think But I think you have to give her credit for having whatever that that thing is. Yeah. It's a long way of saying 1.5 out of 4, right? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, and that's purely because I like the Leprechaun. I think Warwick Davis is awesome. Yeah. There's nothing else really redeemable about this movie. I don't like the story. Mm-hmm. I think it was a silly decision to to put. Why are the there? Why is there a paint crew? Why are we setting up this dad daughter relationship only to dip dad immediately? Why are there seven sequels? Well, like that's the thing. Like it is so thin. This movie. Like the fact that we've got so many of them. It just goes to show how much people like the character. Yeah, because it is solely for the character, and I think because this character is a like a legendary figure that cannot be killed, mm-hmm. he can be brought about by a different scenario every single time he comes back. Yeah. Somebody just needs to happen upon his gold, which when he's dormant or whatever, which will happen at the end of every movie, yep. he cannot protect it. Yeah, exactly. And like you're always going to find people that need money, uh, which is which is, gets you to like a really Executive interesting cast of characters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Studios I, I who own the rights. Yeah, everybody. Uh. <laughs> So your rating. Yeah, one and a half out of four. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, not that we are necessarily the final opinion on this, but uh, based on our criteria, Wishmaster is the better legend film. Uh, Yeah, uh, but I do want to say, though, before we move on, I watched Leprechaun Returns not too long ago. Uh, That one came out just recently from Sci-Fi. It's on VOD now. I enjoyed it. It's... Also not great story-wise, uh, but they, they do a nice way of... So they kind of uh, can the sequels, as was the fashion of 2018, and it takes place right after the first one, which, you know, I like that because I didn't keep up on the sequels. I'm not up on all the, the plots of those. And I think that's what's so great about that move recently. To- Most people have seen the, the original or at least know the origins of that villain. Yeah, and you're definitely winning back the casual viewer. Yes, you you're getting you, a new audience exactly without a younger with, audience and and also the casual horror fan who does not see all of them yeah this is an event because it is been so long mm-hmm. so you can get people that like me haven't seen all the other ones or don't watch them religiously so that was just a really smart decision yeah and it, what i always i mean like it's everybody's talked about this to death but it's it's it, it's also does service to the original movie as well like you're not completely nixing it and rebooting it child's play but uh you are at least saying like yeah this movie exists and it's still good and and you should also watch it and we're not going to to get rid of it entirely 
We're just going to add on to it a little. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I think the kills are awesome. The actor who plays the leprechaun, it isn't Warwick Davis in this one. Uh, it's a new actor, which I cannot remember his name. It's like Lucas Porto. I can't remember. That sounds... He's actually really good. And his one-liners are great. They do kind of, they don't do the exact same leprechaun. Um, he's still feisty. He's still witty. He's still silly. He's got an updated outfit. He's got a different hair and different style. He's good. He's really good. Uh, the kills are great. Did I ever say that? Kills are great. Yeah. He's great. Special effects. Yeah. I think I actually like it more than the first one. But either way, let us know what you thought of Wishmaster and Leprechaun. I'm I'm certain you've rewatched Leprechaun in the last little while. If not, you are gearing up to watch it soon. I have no idea when St. Patrick's Day is, but I know it's... March? Somewhere around April? March. I said April, but it is. I think it's March. Still a little cold outside. Not quite warm yet. Uh, it's coming up soon. And <laughs> but but I mean, you probably revisited it before watching Leprechaun Returns and Wishmaster. Everybody's Friday pick. We're watching it all the time, right? What? <laughs> you can tweet at us at NOFS Podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook page that's facebook.com slash nightmare on film street and a group that is facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. And lastly, I know this is a lot of links. We uh, also have a official subreddit, which we're trying to kickstart back up. Um, we post links and memes and all kinds of stuff there. That is reddit.com slash r slash nightmare on film street. <laughs> We are controlling transmission. Have a trouble with a little... Nightmare on Film Street is brought to you by Baphomet and Co. Small batch soap inspired by horror and the macabre. This week's pick is the Lorraine Bar, inspired by the 2013 film The Conjuring by James Wan and based upon the works of demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren. Memories of country kitchens, an assuring voice softly spoken, and the threat of something wicked lingering down darkened halls. Get 10% off your order with the code NIGHTMARE at baphometandco.com. That's 10% off with the code NIGHTMARE. Baphomet and Co. Made by hands, sometimes severed. We're going to stick around for a few more minutes and play a game that Kim's put together for Patreon listeners. Uh, what do you, we got cooked up? Uh, I can't remember what I called it. What did I call it? Oh, it's called Name That Legend. And, uh, we're gonna play in the sequels, which neither of us really know much about. Especially me. Uh, so I'm gonna name some synopsises from either a Wishmaster sequel or a Leprechaun sequel. And John's gonna have to guess which one it belongs to. But I'm kind and I made it multiple choice. Uh, my, my knowledge is very limited. It's like, uh, oh, there's one in jail, there's one in space, there's, uh, that's about it. That's that's about it. So hopefully I do all right. <laughs> you can get that at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. In addition to that, you're going to get a ton of other bonus content for supporting the show, like back episodes. We have a bunch of drive home from the drive-ins of films that came out in 2018. And there's tons of mini episodes. There's merch and swag and all kinds of stuff there. Uh, we are listener supported. So that means you. For as little as $1 an episode, you have access to a whole back catalog of bonus episodes. But you can also support the show by leaving us a five-star review on, on iTunes, wherever you're getting this episode. It really helps the show, and it doesn't cost you anything but two seconds of your time. That's it from us this week. We will catch you in two weeks' time with another episode. I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. Just long enough to tell the tale 
of the nightmare on Film Street. Ow! Help us grow the horde. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. Continue this week's conversation on Twitter by following at NOFS Podcast. And as always, more terror can be found lurking on our website, www.nightmareonfilmstreetpodcast.com. Until next week, stay creepy, fiends. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.